Hello there, friends. I'm Richard Kisnan. We all knew it was coming. Adulthood. Relationships and marriage, business, health, money, bills, fitness. If you're like me, we didn't think that life would come at us like this. I welcome you to join me for raw, authentic, and hopefully really fun conversations about coming into your own as an adult and to help you create a powerful life of your design. This is the Adulthood Revisited Podcast. Hey there, AR Nation. I've got a quick announcement I'd like to share with you. It's about an incredibly powerful, high-ticket marketing community that I'm a proud member of. It's called the Super Affiliate Accelerator. This program's absolutely for you if you want to be successful online. Whether you're a beginner looking to get started with an online business, and also if you already have an online business but struggling to reach your goals. The Super Affiliate Accelerator is run by three experienced and amazing coaches. Between the three of them, they've sold millions of dollars in products and services online across all different industries. Why I find the Super Affiliate Accelerator so powerful is because of its unique all-in-one blend of a proven training program, weekly coaching and mentoring from an amazing group of accomplished internet marketers, and a private mastermind community of like-minded and supportive business owners and professionals. For a limited time, the SAA coaches are offering a complimentary business strategy call. So whether you're a coach or consultant, if you provide professional services, or if you just want to start an online business, but you're confused or overwhelmed with where or how to start, I invite you to check out this incredible program, the Super Affiliate Accelerator. And you can learn more today by visiting richardkistman.com forward slash SAA. Again, that's richardkistman.com forward slash SAA. Now, let's get to today's amazing episode. Hey there, friends. How's it going? Welcome back to another episode of the Adulthood Revisited Podcast. I'm your host, Richard Kiston. I'm so grateful, so thankful that you're here spending your time and energy with me, wherever you are in the world, doing whatever it is you may be doing. Again, I genuinely appreciate the love. Uh, if you haven't already done so, please take a moment. And after this episode, not during, after the episode, if you can go to wherever you catch a podcast, uh, share, subscribe, rate, review. It'll do so much to help the show grow, and I'd really appreciate it. Uh, but without further ado, I'm very excited to bring on the guest on today's episode. Uh, we met mutually through a, a networking group, um, and you know, I reached out actually as part of my affiliate marketing buildup and, and that kind of work that I'm doing, and I'm so thrilled that she reached back out to me, had a great conversation, and this was, I just had to have her on the podcast. So without further ado, I'd love to introduce Monique Lewis, uh, Monique Lewis Management. Uh, Monique, how are you? And welcome to the Adulthood Revisit Podcast. Yes. Hey, how are you? I'm doing well. Thanks so much for having me on. I'm super stoked because again, it, it's like one of those things when you have a, a, just a very dynamic conversation with people, yeah. it's almost like, man, I wish I was recording that, but <laughs> we'll try to, we'll try to, I'm sure this will be just as fun, but you've got such a like storied history and you've got a lot that you've been through in your life. Uh, so, you know, I'd rather just yield the floor to you and maybe oh. if you can share a little bit about who you are, your background, um, and then we'll dive into your journey to where you are today. Sounds good. So obviously, I'm Monique Lewis of Monique Lewis Management. I think a big part of my story, and I have to definitely uh, focus on this, is moving to New York in 2008. I think New York changes everybody, right? For good, better, bad, worse, and different, it definitely leaves an impact on you. And I certainly believe, I moved to New York when I was 28, by the way. So even though I moved at a more mature age, so to speak. I feel like New York still had a huge impact on me. It almost reminded me of going to college in Ohio. I went to ODC and I was 18 when I went to college, of course. So this sort of reminded me of the same because a new environment, a new learning experience, a new development, unlike any other. You know, I have people, I have friends from all over the world who tell me, you know, there's just no place like New York. And I think we can all agree with that. So yeah, that's a big part of my journey and big part of my story. And then of course, um, my business, Monique Lewis Management, I do PR and marketing, primarily focus on uh, virtual events, especially now, virtual events and digital campaigns, social media marketing, marketing and influencer marketing. So my business started 
as we were chatting about, started very organically from my experience as a promo model, brand ambassador, and then just really segueing into the media aspect of things. And that's also, um, I don't know if you know, if you remember, or if you know, um, Randy was the one who, so here's how I met Randy. It was, it was so weird. Um, a friend of mine, invited me out to dinner. And she's like, oh, there's this great restaurant. We have to go try it out. She's like, do you love soul food? I'm like, I'm from Virginia. Of course I love soul food. So, <laughs> so we go to Spoonfed, you know, which was Randy's restaurant. And she had been there quite a few times before, like enough that he remembered her and obviously that was my first time so we were talking and she was like oh randy you have to meet monique i wanted to bring her along she does pr and marketing he's like oh monique we have to talk so we ended up setting up a meeting then he was like oh i'm part of this networking group you've got to come with me and i'm like 7 a.m is a little early but i'll be there and that's how i you know became you know, a, a quote unquote regular, right? Because I filled in for a few people. I was a guest a few times. So, you know, it really branched off into something larger. And that's how I got tied into all of that and meeting you. Just, just for those who don't know what we're talking about. So <laughs> uh, when she said, when Monique references Randy, we're talking about Randy Witherspoon, a, a mutual acquaintance that we both know. Um, he owns a, a restaurant catering service here in the New York City area, Spoonfed NYC, Southern yeah. Comfort Food. It is absolutely delicious. Uh, if you're ever around, look it up. Uh, try to check it out because it is so, so delicious. And in terms of the networking group, we're talking about BNI. A lot of listeners. Fortunately, Richard, they cannot look it up. Um, Spoonfed is hopefully temporarily closed at the moment. He's looking at going into catering, yeah, but yeah. that is no longer there. But stay tuned for spoon fat because i'm sure it'll be coming in delivery or right. you know pop-ups and stuff like that it's not over so so let, let's so right now and because i want to i want to get to what you're doing right now in terms of pr management yeah. um but maybe take us back so you went to it was an old dominion um oh no i went to ohio dominican so okay. it, I, I know it's odc i was just like oh, i don't know why old dominion popped to mind but a lot of people thought old dominion right especially being from virginia from virginia right? like Oh, Old Dominion. Now, Ohio Dominican was one of the 18 Dominican colleges in the world. I'm not Catholic, but I just happened to find them. And I figured if I was going to go out of state, I'd like to go somewhere smaller where I could get to know people. I would feel more comfortable. You know, it is intimidating moving, uh, especially at such a young age from state to state like that or moving anywhere, really. So I knew my goal in choosing my school was to have somewhere that was going to be a bit smaller, a bit more um, dedicated to the students and somewhere where I could easily find people and fit into that, you know, demographic very easily. So I spoke with all the colleges I was approved with on you know on the phone and they just seem like they were the most amenable particularly to out-of-state students so that's where i ended up going if i can ask because i'm always curious about the sort of the distinction not distinction but maybe the transformation about someone then to someone now when yeah. in college what was maybe when you were graduating what did you see yourself doing whether work-wise or career-wise um, and how did that end up looking when, when you left college? Well, I can say I know I always stuck to one dream. So I always knew I wanted to move to New York City. That was a definite. And I couldn't do it at 18 because my family certainly didn't want me living in New York in 1998, which was, I guess, a little crazy back then. And I could not afford it on my own. I couldn't afford the school on my own. So... I always had that vision in my mind, even when I was in Ohio, even when I moved back to Virginia, I always knew I wanted to live in New York. So that's one thing I'm happy to say, like, I can honestly say, don't give up on your dreams, no matter how long they take. It took me 10 years to get to New York. So from 18 to 28, it took me to get there because, you know, I just wasn't able to make it. And I would say a lot of what I envisioned in college, obviously, is way different from who I am now. 
I guess I always kind of knew that I would work, you know, for myself or try to work for myself in some capacity. So I am doing that. I would say that I always thought, I will say this though, I had a lot of friends and not a lot, but I had like a group of friends in college. And I was like, oh, we're always going to be friends. I'm surprised that we're not, right? Right? I see you laughing on that. I was like, oh, we're sisters. We're always going to be friends. And college is a different experience, right? Especially like you're living with strangers. You're sharing your most intimate moments with strangers. It's like a family, whether you want it to be or not. And particularly like in my school, because it was so small. So within like the first week, I knew everybody there. So it really becomes very intimate, very close, very quickly. And again, particularly when you're going to such a small school, you think that I'm always going to be in touch with these people. I'm always going to be friends with the friends that I have. These people will always be frenemies or enemies or whatever, you know, like you just you think that this is going to be it the kind of the way I guess people who don't go to college think of high school like this is it but it's really not. I was just thinking, I just saw a commercial for the Saved by the Bell remake and I just like that. Really? um, I did not see that yet. It's a remake. Yeah, it's Saved by the Bell remake. Um, I I want to jump to, because I think you, if I recall correctly, share with me previously that you have like a corporate background. Yes. Uh, So maybe talk a little about like how you, how you found your way there, because not everyone goes into corporate, maybe how you found your way there and your experience there that kind of led into you getting into um, promote promotional and brand ambassadorship. So that's a good question. And you're right. Not everybody. I know people who've never had a job, right? They've gone straight from either high school or college, had a business or worked for family or whatever. They've never had a job. Um, in that sense, I had jobs back in high school. So my first job was when I was 17. Um, that was my junior year. And I worked for Zany Brainy and I worked for a restaurant because actually Zany Brainy was closing down. It was a toy store. A lot of people, I don't know if a lot of people remember that or not, but it was a toy store. It was a competitor sort of with Toys R Us, you know, they had a lot of options just like Toys R Us did. Um, and then from there, believe it or not, I was actually hired to close the store out. So I think even from that young age, I knew I could not depend on a corporate career. Does that make sense? Like if your first job, you're getting laid off and you're literally hired to close a store and they don't tell you that you're going to not have much faith in, you know, corporate jobs or typical employment, like most people will. But I picked myself up, found a job at a restaurant, and then the following summer, I worked at a daycare before I went to college. And at college, when I lived in Ohio, I worked for Ohio United Way. I worked for Columbus Symphony Orchestra. And those were really like the two biggest um, corporate jobs I had when I was there. And then right before I left, I worked for Annexus, which was Ohio Child Support Payment Central. So... I had already been in the corporate world at a very young age. You know, I even count 17, even though I worked at the store level, the retail level, I was still, you know, in a corporate environment. And I did that, you know, throughout my career, but I always knew that I would kind of branch off on my own. I knew that I would always get into my own thing. And promo modeling brand ambassador work really helped open that door it's as close as you can get to working for yourself without actually having to set up the company and do it all yourself because you get to choose your own schedule you get to choose the agencies you work for you get to choose the promos you want to work on you get to choose your hours you get to choose your pay rates so you can say no i'm not happy with this and they can either choose to up it or you just decide to take something else with another agency. So you really do have a lot of freedom if you're non-compete, which obviously a lot of us are and were, you have freedom to go wherever you want to go. So that really helps you make a lot of the decision makers that entrepreneurs and business owners have to make because you have to decide what's going to work for you, what's going to work for your schedule, what's going to work for your abilities and your pay rate. And you have to just, you're actually the one that has to sit down and say, all right, I have all of these talents. I need to demand X, Y, and Z. So you really are your own boss in this. And I know you've shared that you always saw yourself maybe 
being your own boss and, and being living the entrepreneur life. But yeah. at any at any point along the way with one or more of those jobs um, in corporate, did you ever feel like maybe I could do this instead of taking on the responsibility of never. being my own boss? Never. Mm-mm. I never felt the security. And remember, my first job led me. It, I really think that experiences shape who we are whether we think they do or not, they do. So you have to keep in mind at 17, at my first job, I was hired under false pretenses and let go. So of course I didn't have any faith in a corporate typical employment situation whatsoever. So no, I never thought like, oh, I can do this forever instead of doing my own thing. I was always, and then I was always one of those people too, um, <laughs> good, bad, or indifferent. Every time I got a job, I was always looking for another job, just in case. I was like, I need a backup plan. I need to make sure I'm covered in case something goes wrong. I need to make sure I have plan B, C, D, E, F, G, you know? And I think that like I said, what shaped me is way different than what shaped a lot of people. A lot of people didn't lose their summer jobs, right? They were going back summer after summer after summer, whereas I didn't get that luxury. So I've always thought like, all right, always be ready to exit at all times. Can you share a little bit about what, when when you started working in promotions and um, sort of corporate affiliations, what that's like? Because for me, what comes to mind is like liquor and that's it. I, I don't know why I can't think of, um, you know, promo and, and being a brand ambassador outside of that. So maybe you can share a little bit, about just maybe as a selfish thing to educate me as to what that constituted. For sure. You know, it's funny. A lot of people think of liquor and that definitely ties into it, right? I've definitely done my share of those promotions. But just to give you an idea, the first promotion I ever worked was for Discovery Channel and they were doing a weight loss challenge. So we started at one period and then we came back in six months and the people who attended six months earlier basically did the weight loss challenge. So we started them off with giving them little trinkets, little gadgets and stuff to get them started, like a tape measure or a Fitbit. I think Fitbits were around at that time. You know, this is 2001, by the way, 19 years ago, if you can believe it. <laughs> but yeah, we started off with giving them little like journals, you know, and they got all this stuff for free just for attending. That's the cool thing about a lot of these promos. Nothing is paid for the company is sponsoring not is not only paying us but also sponsoring the giveaways that we give to consumers who attend so they got a entire package of basically things that would help them to lose weight and track their journey so let's say this was february or march i do remember it was cold so let's say this was february or march we're talking six months later which would have been august september they're coming back in the same people are coming back in and they're chronicling their weight loss to us so they're saying oh my goodness you know i use my journal and take a, and we would you know take snapshots of the journal entries to say look discovery channel this weight loss challenge worked. People did use the journals. People did use the Fitbits. People did use, you know, whatever we gave them to help them lose weight. They did use these items. And then, of course, there was like a photo opportunity. Then they got more free stuff like a thermos and stuff like that. So that was one of the really, and obviously it was my first one. So of course, I remember that very well. But um, I did a lot of car shows. I did a lot of, um, you know, like at the games at Verizon Center. I don't know if you know Verizon Center in DC, but um, General Motors is a sponsor of all of the basketball and hockey games. So I did a lot of car promos around that. Of course, the liquor promos and the wine promos in the bar. Um, some of them were really cool. Like I did one with eBay. eBay was, we were actually on the street interviewing people about how they used eBay. And we were doing it like a media segments. So we go up, interview people, they sign a quick waiver, get a free prize for letting us interview them. And we did that for, I think, three, four days. Burt Bees is another one, you know, the brand Burt Bees. We did that. Um, 
we did Microsoft Zoom. So that was like in store teaching people how to use the equipment and how it could help them in their everyday lives. Nespresso is a long-term one that I did. Nespresso was, um, that was also in store like Williams and Sonoma, Bed Bath and Beyond. You may see them now. They're actually coming around this time of the year is usually when these promos happen. So if you see anybody, you know, demonstrating an espresso machine, that's exactly what I used to do as well. So that's a big one I worked on. I did uh, Coca-Cola. I did T-Mobile. So there's, a, there's, I mean, it's, it's a lot. It's a lot of different areas you go into. I've done all fields from AI, tech, science, uh, beauty, fashion, you name it. So it sounds like your experience is in almost every vertical. Right. Yes, there's, exactly. there's no industry that you you don't have any experience with. Exactly. Um, so now let's turn now to to where you're at now with Monique Lewis management, public relations, marketing, talent. What caused you to finally pull the switch on that? Well, I started getting a lot of feedback from clients directly. So remember, as I was telling you earlier, you are generally hired through agencies. Very rarely do clients, and I do mean very rarely, will clients come up and say, hey, Richard, would you do a promo for me? They're, they don't have time they're going to hire an agency, which will then do all of the legwork of selecting the brand ambassadors and the interviews and weeding them out in the whole nine yards. So I started getting feedback from the clients directly because oftentimes clients were on site at the promos, particularly if you're at a closing day of a longer promo. So like if it's a two week promo, they'll usually be there in the beginning of the promotion, then they'll be there like the last day or close to the last day. So I was standing out in some way, shape or form and a couple of clients actually, you know, reached out to me directly to ask if they could work with me when you sign with the agencies however you do sign non-compete non-disclosure agreements and at the time when i started a lot of the agreements were in effect for like 10 years they were very very long-term agreements i think they're a little shorter now but i do remember signing some very very long-term agreements so when you're in that cycle of clients want to work with you, but you're working with the agency, the agency is not going to let you go without a hefty fee. You realize then that you do have the skill sets to sort of branch out on your own to do this on your own. There are literally hundreds, I would say worldwide, maybe hundreds of thousands of promo models. So for a client to pick an individual out must mean that you are outstanding, outstanding not just in the direct presence, but also they have seen your attendance, they've seen your regularity in accepting promos for their brand, they have seen your consistency, and they've seen your reliability. You do not know how many people are unreliable in this field, and I know it from experience for hiring promo models for clients where I've had people just flake out on me, don't call, don't show, and they never just show up at all. So I think that I hit all the key targets to the point where the clients were looking at me, not, like I said, not just me directly in the field, but they have seen my track record. So then I realized that I did have to branch off if I wanted even the potential to work with these people. With... Monique, with your business, Monique Lewis Management, what is it, when you work with clients, what is it, what's the scope of it, or what do you feel you bring to the table to your clients? Well, I think it's the same thing you bring to your clients, right? Quality, service, reliability, right? <laughs> All right. No, it's, it's me, like, I think one of the biggest things that sets I won't say I'm set apart. I meet a lot of great people in my field. In fact, I partner with them. So I think this is a field where um, people certainly have their strengths and weaknesses, but there are just so many excellent people in the field of PR. And like I said, I even partner with them. 
I would say some of the talents that I bring to the table, and perhaps this is something that clients um, see and appreciate, is that number one, I've worked across all agents, all industries, right? So I bring a much wider appeal in that fact that you know, they're like, oh, well, she's worked every industry from her background. So she knows what she's talking about. She's successfully able to talk about automotive and then go into AI and then go into fintech and then go into technology and then go into beauty or fashion or lifestyle or food even, you know, whatever it is, I'm able to talk very much in a space of experience because I've had that experience coming from my background, as I mentioned. And also, I try to definitely under-promise and over-deliver. So whenever clients, you know, hire me on, I always try to get them way more than even what they've paid for or what I've agreed to give them because I know the happier they are, the more they'll stick around. So that is, but I know a lot of people who do that. So I'm not going to say that's anything unique, but Everybody should be doing that in our field, really. And then I, I, one thing I do, and I know, like I said, quite a few people do this as well, is that I do not position myself as a, you know, know-all, be-all, and last voice on the topic. I'm always willing to listen to my clients, and I do let them know that you're going to know your business better than I ever will. So if you have suggestions or if you have things that you want me to know, please don't hesitate to speak up. Just because I'm doing this part of it for you doesn't mean I know everything, and there could be something very vital and crucial to the success of the campaigns that I'm launching. And I think clients really appreciate being heard. I've I've spoken to a couple clients clients who have mentioned to me that they've hired people on and in all areas, you know, like they'll hire a web person or they'll hire a manager or they'll hire anybody on whatever the case may be. And they feel like they're shut out of their own business. And I'm like, you should never feel that way. This is your entity. This is your business. You should always feel like you have a voice. So, yeah. From the outside looking in, because I don't know anything about public relations, about sure. marketing in that world, um, what are some of the obstacles or challenges that you've encountered and faced? And maybe speaking to someone who may be thinking, yeah, I want to be in public relations, I want to do PR and, and talent management and marketing for brands. What are some of your experiences there that maybe from the outside looking in, people are not aware of? Yeah. Um... For me, I would say I've definitely had the challenge of finding quality clients. And I know that sounds like a surprise because you would think like they just come floating through if you have such an impressive background and you've had on the ground experience, you would think that people just come flying through the door, but that's not necessarily the case. And I would definitely say um, that has been one of my biggest challenges is finding qualified leads, finding clients who are not only qualified, but actually, even if they don't understand PR, they understand the importance of PR. So they've educated themselves somewhat on what I do. So I'll give you an example. Before I meet with the client, I go to their website, I check them out, I look at their Google reviews, I see if they're on Better Business Bureau. I, I check them out. I want to be able to speak intelligently with them. I think it's not happening in the reverse where clients are not looking up they obviously look me up, but I don't think they fully understand the scope of public relations and the importance of it for their brand and their business and for sustainability and growth, especially in a time like we're in now, you need it more than ever. Um, that's definitely an obstacle I've run across. And then, of course, you always have people who want to haggle your prices. <laughs> and I just, I just, I used to, I used to be like, oh, all right, fine. If you have this, let's go with this. I don't do that anymore. I don't, because I cannot, I look at it as though like this, I cannot walk into Chanel on Fifth Avenue, right? And say, I'm going to pay you $50 for a $1,500 pair of shoes. They would 
laugh at me. And if I kept insisting, they might call the police on me, right? They'll be like, get out. We're not even discussing this. So I look at my services the same. I know the expertise I come with. I know the background behind me. I know the resume. I know the connections. I know what I know what I have is a value. And the value that I'm offering is well worth what I'm charging. And even more, really, I'm being rather generous in my pricing. So I no longer negotiate. It is what it is. And if people don't want to pay it, then I, I actually will offer options such as um, if I feel like they're genuinely wanting to use me, but may not quite have the budget at the time, then I'll offer them counseling. I'll offer them consulting. So when I say counseling means like if they need, maybe they have little bits of their business that needs help. I'll go in and see how I can help them. You know, I'll be like, oh, all right, this is something you may want to do. This is something you may want to do. Try this, streamline this, try doing this, try doing that. And I will offer that to them and that will be its own rate. Or I will let them know like, hey, we can sit down and I can coach you and what I do and give you some key pointers and tips. And then that's its own rate. And then if I'm giving out contacts, of course, that's its own rate. So that is certainly something that I've dealt with in the time that I've had in my business. And then I would say, other than that is really sometimes you've got to stay on top of clients. They think that they can just hand it off to you and you're done. And it's like, no, this is a interactive experience. I need them just as involved as I am. Like if I'm calling, it's because I need something. And I think a lot of clients just think, oh, she's got it. She's fine. And that's not the way it works. So those are the two biggest things. Oh, you know, much of what you said there resonates with me so much because I right. think for years, I kind of like, especially with money and it's a problem, maybe even a problematic relationship that I had with money, but I would let clients haggle my fees and this and that. And, you know, I think every entrepreneur, every business owner has to go through that to come to terms with my, I respect, I understand and respect my value. That's and right. if someone has an issue with that, they're, they're more like, I'm not the only service provider. You're not the only public relations uh, management consultant that can contact. Exactly. So, um, that's a huge, huge lesson that I think every entrepreneur and every business owner really needs to like, not just, not just know, because I think everyone has heard that one, one, at one time or another, but like right. learn it, experience it, learn it for themselves um, and really like step into it. How did you learn it? How did you learn to just say, no, I'm not going to allow people to haggle me down. I know I'm worth this and that's what I'm sticking to. How did you do that? Well, I, honestly, for probably a few years, I felt spent and burnt out, right? I was yes. like chasing a dollar and then it always, it tended to always be the case that the clients that haggled my fees were the most challenging clients. <laughs> and I was like, what am I, what am I doing in my life? Like, I want to go, I, like, I want to make money. I want to go home. I want to sleep. I want to enjoy like my, my life, not my, my work is cool, but I want to enjoy my life, enjoy being with my family, being with my friends, like working out. I don't want to always have stress. And so I just found that what's going on. I'm like, I feel like I'm spinning my wheels with client work and one, my bank account isn't growing the way it like in proportion with that. So something's not right. And yeah, I made the change a couple of years ago. I still get calls where people like, Hey man, can you just like, give me a discount. I'm like, first of all, you just called me. Why am I going to give you a discount over the phone since I don't know you? And no, like I, I know my value and there are plenty of other, you know, in the legal space, plenty of other attorneys that heck I'm even happy to refer them to. Yes. Uh, and if they want to go haggle their fees, they can, but uh, not here, playboy. <laughs> I love that you said that. And you know, it's, it's definitely, like you said, I think a lot of people, um, go through this stage, right? And it's, it's very, 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 very draining because you're doing usually twice the work. And like you said, the bank account is not matching up to the work that you're doing. You're working your butt off. You're stressed out all the time. These are usually the people who will be on the phone with you till midnight and then call you again at 6am. And you're like, you're not paying me for this type of access to me. And it was funny. I got the idea one day I was walking along Park Avenue and you know, the Maserati dealership is there, right? It's Ferrari, Maserati. And I think there's um, Jaguar or something like, you know, all along the 
Well, if you're heading north all along the left side of, of um, Park Avenue are those dealerships between like the 40s and 50s, I think. And one day when I was walking alongside there, I was obviously feeling burned out from a client who was, you know, literally, I felt taken advantage of me because she actually did have the money to pay my full rate, as I found out later, but she just wanted to haggle me, right? So I was walking along, you know, Park Avenue and I said, I have to be like a Maserati. Like they only sell maybe, I think the last I looked up, I think there's only like maybe 200 Maseratis sold a year. It's not a lot, right? But when you're charging six figures for that, you're well making your money and then some. And trust those people are sleeping well. They're sleeping at ease. They're not stressed out over, oh my goodness, this guy came in with 50,000 and I've got to give him a Maserati worth 650,000. What am I going to do? How am I going to tailor it? What am what am I going to do to make this work? And that has helped me out so much. And I think just having that Maserati mindset is like, I'm not for everybody, but the few that I am here for, I can do an excellent job above and beyond for them. But I don't want, I don't want quantity. I want quality. I hear you on that. Um, if, if I can ask you, about the PR world and marketing, because when I think, when I think of like, especially the first term public relations and, and media and, and sort of your background, it seems like a lot of, you know, big media seems like a big events, corporate, but like big budgets. I'm, I'm thinking of TV shows, new, uh, radio, you know, these flashy events in Manhattan somewhere. <laughs> um, what, if you were to say, I, I always think like certain jobs or certain businesses require what I'm going to call like moxie. You just have, there's like certain, like, I'm not cut out for everything. I know that. Yeah. Um, but what do you think someone who's looking to be in the public relations world, in the media world, what characteristics or qualities do they need to, you know, do the work to succeed and not get burnt out? Ooh, you're definitely going to get burned out. I think every PR person has had their burnout because it's, it's just a lot. It's a lot. And you're managing a lot of different schedules. You're managing a lot of different agendas. You're managing a lot of different people at one time. I think, you know, I was talking to someone else who I actually partner with and we were both saying like, this is a very high stress field. That's why in other areas of our life, we try to be relaxed possible. It's so funny because I'm actually more of an introvert, you know, even though I live in New York City, even though I'm in the PR world, I'm definitely more the person even that's why I was kind of thankful for COVID a little bit because I was just like, yes, I can stay home without people like, why aren't you going out? Why aren't you doing something? I'm like, no, I'm happy being home. Um, I definitely say anybody who's looking to get into this world, it's, it's, you either have it or you don't. You can certainly go to school, obviously. I know quite a few people who've gone to school for this and have been very successful at this. I know people like myself who have not gone to school for this and have been very successful at it. And, you know, I think you really, it, it's something where you really just have to have a love for it. You may not have all the info. I didn't have all the info, all the knowledge. I'm still learning every day. I think we're all still learning every day in this, in this world, hopefully. But I really think you have to just generally enjoy it, have a love for it. And you have to think of it, you know, you, you, you have to have somewhat of a passion for it. If you don't, you will burn out even quicker. Then you have to be very, very persistent and consistent both. I mean, you're not going to get yeses, whether it's a yes, let's say it's someone starting their own business, right? Even if it's someone who comes to you and says, yes, I'm looking for PR and marketing. I'm, you know, how can you help me? Just because they say that doesn't mean they're going to say yes right away. You usually have to stay on top of them and be like, hey, you know, just following up, have checking in on you, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So, 
that's where the persistence come in. And not only with the clients, obviously you have to do that with media outlets. You have to be very, very, very creative. You have to find ways around no's. If someone tells you, no, sorry, we're not covering that story right now. Then be like, hmm, well, what are you covering? And how does this, how can I possibly fit this person into what you're covering and into what you're doing? Oh, you're covering food. Great. My client loves food. And they also eat a diet that helps helps them with breast cancer, you know, they're a survivor of breast cancer. So now their diet is around eating healthy and being, you know, taking proactive measures to make sure that their health is balanced. So even though you won't do a story on breast cancer, you may, you'll do a story on food and we can tie this in that way. So you have to be able to think on your toes. You have to be able to be creative and that's nothing really that can be taught to you. You have to be really aware of what's going around, going on, what's going around in your environment. And you have to understand how you can position every client to be a part of what's going on outside of even what you may have in mind. So it's, it's some intricacies to it. I would certainly say that, but I would certainly say as well that anybody who has tenacity and can hang through all the no's certainly would make a you know a great person in this field someone said it perfectly they said we are like salespeople, right but we're just selling to the media we <laughs> we get a lot of no's before we get yeses and then it's also making sure that you're selling yourself to your clients and then then once you've established like the basics of it right which is obviously getting your client in the news and getting them in you know getting them exposure and awareness and all of that then you can get super creative like what you're talking about doing big events doing collaborations bringing on sponsors into certain arenas of your client's brand so you can say oh all right cool my client has a basketball camp this is something they do on the side right like this is a nonprofit or maybe just a special interest of theirs. Cool. I'll bring in sponsors to be a part of that and then create awareness around that. So yeah, it's a lot of different areas to get into, but mainly the, like you really, really just have to be tenacious and persistent and consistent. I'd be remiss if I didn't ask, um, specifically with your business, how has it maybe shifted in COVID uh, as a result of COVID rather? And also like, what do you have on your roadmap for the, let's say, near future and in the coming year? Yay. Um, I think everything shifted with COVID, right? Everything. So I would say the biggest, biggest thing, obviously, for me is events. I mean, it's really like, it's almost hard to believe that we're at, almost at the end of the year because I feel, I still feel stuck back in March, like March 23rd is when the city shut down all the way. And I'm like, I'm still stuck on March 23rd. So <laughs> that was, that's like the biggest thing right there. Um, I would say one of the, um, one of the biggest things is, like I said, really the events. And the reason I mentioned the events so much is even if it's not your event, even if you're not working that event directly, you know that you have clients who may be interested. Perfect example, Fashion Week, right? That's a huge, huge thing that comes to New York. So I've actually brought on a couple of clients as sponsors of a couple New York Fashion Week shows. And of course, you know, arrange for them to attend some shows as well as, you know, face-to-face -face meeting with designers and you know I've, I've definitely created some opportunities within that world and now that's been you know completely eradicated but it was a little strange because I was watching overseas it looks like they were doing some fashion week shows overseas I think but still with the virtual and the distancing you know it wasn't on the same level as before so certainly some of those larger events where you may incorporate either sponsors or your clients as sponsors or brands as sponsors those have all been shut down so that certainly is something where you have to take a look at what is going on. Again, that's about being creative and check out virtual events and 
possibly bring your clients into that sphere if they're interested. That's what I've been doing is really focused on researching what's going on online, what's of value. I'm also watching where some of the bigger corporate sponsors are going like AT&T and Chase and Samsung and Nike. I've been following what they've been doing and also bringing those up as suggestions for my clients on a smaller scale. I, have, I also have to say COVID has been excellent for my business, believe it or not, because it's weeded out a lot of those hagglers who want to be like, oh, you know, please take me for a very, very, very little money and do all the work. It's kind of weeded them out either. And I'm not sure why. I can't say why. They might either be out of business or they just are focused in other areas. But this has now brought to me um, clients who definitely are more serious, more on top of things, and also come with a budget ready to do communications, which is essentially what this is, and really serious about building their presence, because I think we all understand this is not going away anytime soon, and they understand they have to be prepared. So that's what's been really exciting is to work with people who are very, very, very serious. Very cool. This has been very insightful because again, there's not a lot about the world that I know in terms of public relations and, and, and management, media connections. Uh, so I really appreciate you sharing your insight, your knowledge and your experience on the yeah. podcast. Um, if, if anybody listening is curious to work with you, who's a good fit to, to contact you and work with you? And also what are ways that they can, they can reach you? Fantastic. So I would say any brand that has a goal, because honestly, that's going to be my first question is what is your goal of doing PR? I will give a couple of examples in case people don't know what their what goals they should have. I have done PR for brands looking to raise investment funding. I've actually helped brands raise over 10 million in investments. And People are like, investments, PR, that doesn't sound like it goes together. It actually does because investors want to see that the brand has some credibility behind it. So being in Forbes, being in Wall Street Journal, being in New York Times, being an entrepreneur gives that credibility that investors want to see. And also sometimes investors want their names out there too. Sometimes they don't because they don't want 50 million people coming to them for money. Other times they do want to be affiliated with the investment that they're doing because it could be something that they need to help their image, right? So if they're investing in a brand that is socially conscious or socially responsible, they want their name out there with that because it looks good for them. Like, hey, you're doing this. So that is the first thing is making sure that they have a goal. I don't care what the goal is, but have a goal. And then make sure, obviously, for that goal, you have a realistic timeline and you have a realistic budget. And that's oftentimes where I come in to educate people because let's say their goal is to get on Good Morning America, but they're selling a home-based cupcake. It's not that they couldn't get on there overnight, right? But let's be realistic. You need to do X, Y, and Z before this placement even has the potential of happening. And I guide them through those steps and give them advice on that. So, so that's really before any brands reach out to me I think it's really just doing that homework on why do we want to do communications what's the sustainability of what we want to do what are our timelines and if they have various goals that's fine but there always needs to be a timeline for each goal so the campaign can be structured accordingly and we can make sure that we're reaching those targets within the timeline designated. And then of course, making sure there is a budget to successfully execute everything that they wanna do. And people can reach out to me on LinkedIn. That's actually the best place to reach me. And it's eponymous, it's Monique Lewis Management on LinkedIn management is spelled out and they can reach me on LinkedIn and I do answer everybody. Very awesome. I, I'll, I'll link that up in the show notes. Um, so yeah, if anyone out there is listening and curious about how they can strengthen and echo their brands, um, their brand strength, reach out to yeah. Monique. Uh, Monique, I really appreciate, appreciate you coming on the podcast. Thank uh, you. Awesome experience. Any parting words as we wrap up? I would say one big thing 
now, I think a lot of brands need to really do, and uh, some of the larger brands like Hilton, and obviously Chase is doing it. I think AstraZeneca just did it with Serena or whatever campaign she's on, is consider using celeb collaborations. That's one thing I'm very, very fortunate is to have access to almost every celebrity in the world through one of my partnerships, and we can actually get them at like unheard of rates basically so it's something i think as we continue into this virtual cycle the online presence needs to be very very strong and how do you stand out from the noise you stand out from that by having a presence that others don't have so in doing that it's using influencers it's using celebrities it's using prominent figures whether it's within your community on a broader scale i think it's really 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 important to do that integration and to really have the message spread on such a wide scale level because there's a lot of noise online we know that it's already it's always been a lot of noise online, even pre-COVID. Now there's more noise than ever. So standing out, you definitely need to have some recognizability behind your brand. And how do you get that other than having, you know, a recognizable name behind your brand? Very interesting. So something to keep in mind if you're a business owner and a brand manager out there. Uh, Monique Lewis, again, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. And with that, Aronation, until next time, Take care, be well, bye for now. Hey there, AR Nation. Before we go, I wanted to remind you of the Super Affiliate Accelerator. Whether you're looking to get started with an online business or if you're struggling to see the traction you've been hoping for in your current online business, the Super Affiliate Accelerator can help you see the success that you want in your business and in your life. The Super Affiliate Accelerator is an all-in-one, high-ticket marketing community where you'll get access to proven training, weekly coaching and mentoring from seasoned and accomplished marketers who've sold millions of dollars in products and services online, as well as access to a private mastermind community of like-minded and supportive business owners and professionals. Right now, the SAA coaches are offering a free complimentary business strategy call. So if you're ready to build a strong and profitable online business and brand, take advantage of the complimentary business strategy call today and learn more about the Super Affiliate Accelerator by visiting richardkiston.com forward slash SAA.